inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thank you for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. It's time for Ride On with Julie Goodnight. Be sure you hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. I appreciate all the ratings and reviews you've left me, and I love the comments and ideas, so please keep them coming my way. Since the last time we recorded, here in the high mountains of Colorado, it's already starting to feel a little bit like fall. It's cold and blustery today. In fact, uh, this morning my heater kicked on while I was having my morning cup of coffee and the windows were wide open. So as the days are getting shorter, I've been busy trying to cram in all the summer sports I like to do into the few remaining weeks of summer. I was able to do some mountain biking with my brother. That was a lot of fun. He came up for a visit and we hauled the bikes up into the mountains. Um, He's a professional mountain bike rider and instructor. So I always learn a lot from him when I ride with him. Um, That is if I don't break my arm like I did the time before. But this time we had a great time. Nobody got hurt and I learned a lot. I've also been able to do a ton of boating and fishing this summer. Most of you may not know that about me, but I'm just about as passionate about boats and boating as I am about horses. I am actually started working on getting my captain's license, which is a big undertaking, but a lot of fun, a lot of um, fun goals involved with that. So if I'm not riding a horse, you can usually find me at the lake. So I've spent a lot of this summer going back and forth, trying to make the most of every single week and enjoy the summer sports that I love to do. My horses are all doing well. I've got some friends coming to visit later this month that are going to want to ride horses. So I've been focused lately on getting them tuned up for my friends. I like horses that I can, you know, put my friends up on and and let them have a good ride. But they're not always used to having um, different riders on them. So I have to kind of prepare them for that. So I've had had some fun working on that as well. Soon enough, fall's going to be here and it will be time for me to hit the road again. I haven't done much traveling since March of 2020, so I'm excited to get back to doing clinics and conferences and expos. I've got some clinics coming up at the Sea Lazy U Ranch this fall. We have the ranch riding adventure in September and then a five-day horsemanship immersion experience in October. That's a hands-on comprehensive training program focused on education, ground handling skills, training, behavior, health and confirmation. We're going to address saddle fitting and bidding, all kinds of subjects on the horse and horsemanship. The 2021 programs at the Sea Lazy U Ranch are all full at this time, but you may want to check out the programs for 2022, get ahead of the waiting line, so you can visit juliegoodnight.com slash events for more information on that. I'll also be in Fort Worth, Texas this fall for the CHA International Conference. That's runs November 9th through 11th. The CHA International Conference is held every year, either in the U.S. or Canada. And it's a coming together of horse professionals, instructors, trainers, barn managers, therapeutic riding programs, and the like. It is also open to anyone, any, any of the horse-loving public. It is full of education, and I'll be doing some clinics and workshops there. CHA is a nonprofit, member-driven organization whose mission is to promote safety and excellence in horsemanship. We do that by certifying horse professionals and accrediting riding programs. We also publish a ton of educational resources. I'm very proud to be certified as a master level instructor through the Certified Horsemanship Association. And I am also a lifetime member and their international spokesperson. You can find out more about CHA at CHA.horse. And be sure to check out their YouTube channel. There's lots of great free information, educational information there. 
After two years off due to the pandemic, I'm excited to have three horse expos lined up for 2022, one in Oregon, one in Idaho, and also in Wisconsin. I can't wait to see everyone there and do live presentations again. You can find out more about these events again at juliegoodnight.com events, or just click on events on the main menu. While you're there, be sure to check out my online short course on building your confidence with horses and memberships and online coaching programs at juliegoodnight.com join. Plus, we've got innovative grooming tools, tack, equipment, and educational resources at shop.juliegoodnight.com. Today's podcast topic is about how to deal with training setbacks with your horse. Look, we've all been there at some point or another in our journey with horses where things just don't go according to plan. The horse that normally walks right in the trailer suddenly refuses to load. Uh, or you ha- or your horse has one bad experience at a horse show, and then that turns into some kind of ongoing problem. Or maybe you had a frightening experience on a normally unflappable horse, or an incident that overwhelmed your horse and broke down his confidence. Horses have wills of their own, and they are predictably unpredictable. They're flight animals. They are sensitive and reactive. And they run the full gamut of emotions from utter contentment to fear, to anger, to resentment. Sometimes when horses go south on us, it's because we made a mistake. There's no such thing as a perfect rider. And more often than not, it's the human that has contributed in some way to the problem. If not initiating it, then perhaps in giving the wrong reaction. But sometimes you have a training setback with a horse due to situational circumstances, like getting a bad draw in a cow class or going on a trail ride with friends and someone else's horse spooks and runs off, causing your horse to have a meltdown. It's unreasonable to think that in the long-term training of a horse, which takes place over years and decades, that everything would always go perfectly and you would never encounter a setback. That's just not reasonable. Neither human nor equine are robots, and stuff happens. In this podcast, I want to focus on what to do after the training setback, how to analyze the situation, dissect what went wrong, and be proactive in developing a plan to get your horse back on track and avoid future setbacks. Plus, I've got some brand new questions to answer straight from our listeners in my What the Hey? Q&A segment at the end of this podcast. Since horses aren't machines, there are quite a few things that can lead to setbacks in their training. Even with well-trained horses and experienced riders, eventually you will encounter a situation with horses where the unexpected happens. Let me give you a few examples to think about. Certainly anyone who is involved in competition with horses has likely encountered a setback at some time or another. Often this is because a horse was ill-prepared for the competition. Maybe it's a young green horse. Maybe he's working great at home, but you have never taken him anywhere down the road and he's just not prepared for all the newness and frenetic activity. Maybe you took a young horse or an inexperienced horse to a horse show and you had a bad experience in the warm-up pen with a someone else's horse getting out of control and scaring your horse. Or maybe it has to do with the actual performance itself where it was difficult and mistakes were made or, or uh, accident happened. Competition is an area that is rife with setbacks because of the nature of the high-pressure activity. I teach horsemanship clinics all over the world, really, and I've almost never experienced a horsemanship clinic where there wasn't at least one horse that was out of sorts because he's in a new place, he's not used to being in an indoor arena, maybe his owner is a little bit excited, maybe he's being separated from his buddy. Um, It's not at all uncommon for horses in a new situation like that to have an emotional meltdown forget how to act temporarily. Um, Sometimes it surprises the owner because they're used to the way their horse acts at home. Uh, 
And horses don't always act the same way uh, on the road as they do at home. Certainly, you can have setbacks in a horse's performance or training due to separation anxiety. Uh, Maybe you have in the moment separated him from his buddy. Maybe your horse is having to go into an arena and perform by himself in an unfamiliar arena that he's just not emotionally prepared to handle. Separation anxiety is certainly something that frequently causes meltdowns in horses. And I've written about that recently in my blog. So there's lots of good information for you there. Just go to juliegoodnight.com. Another example of a time you could encounter a temporary setback on your horse is in the group trail ride environment. If maybe you've enrolled in a large group ride, 50 or 100 horses or more, often horses can get overwhelmed in the presence of that many horses, particularly a horse that lives in a smaller setting, maybe lives in your backyard with only a few other horses. There are plenty of horses out there that that have never seen that many horses in one location, and it's overwhelming to them because they are such herd-oriented animals. Also, in that group trail ride, when you get, you know, if you have dozens or of horses or more, and you end up with a lot of horses in front of you traveling at a faster pace, that brings up that uh, desperate fear of being left behind in your horse, and that can quickly um, turn into a meltdown situation. Sometimes horses on large trail rides can just simply be overwhelmed by the open spaces or the or the new environment they're in. Another way that people sometimes experience setbacks with their horse's training is when they encounter a horse that just refuses to do something he used to do. A trained horse that used to walk in the trailer anytime you pointed him towards him, all of a sudden won't go in. Maybe you have a horse that you didn't realize had become herd bound because you usually ride in the company of others and Now you go to ride off by yourself and he has a complete refusal. He says, nope, not going to do it. I don't agree anymore. Maybe your horse refuses to cross a ditch or a scary water crossing. Sometimes in performance horses, we run into situations either from from mental duress or physical duress and a horse just flat out refuses to enter the show ring or for refuses to participate in the trained activity that he knows how to do. In the moment, sometimes it's quite shocking when a trained horse is suddenly refusing and becoming disobedient, but it it happens. It happens. Um, usually there's a cause, but we don't always get to know that in advance. And for instance, it could be uh, what could be causing your refusal is a physical problem with the horse. Pain. He's having joint pain or he has a injury that you don't know about because it hasn't fully revealed itself. And often, but often physical pain problems that result in behavioral problems can later lead to training problems in the horse. In other words, let's say you had a jumping horse and he's always been a super reliable jumper and all of a sudden he, one day he refuses a jump and then maybe a week later he does it again. Maybe then you're at a horse show and he refuses two jumps and maybe before you know it, time's gone on and now you have a horse that won't even, that he refuses the very first jump. He won't even take a jump. That is almost always a pain problem developing in a horse. So we always rule, this is why we always rule out pain first whenever there's a behavioral problem. And Also, you should know that a majority of behavioral problems in riding horses are pain-related. So we always have to rule out pain first, but even when you resolve the pain, you can sometimes have a lingering training problem. So let's say that horse that refused to jump because he was in pain, after so many episodes of that, it can become ingrained behavior in the horse where he says, oh, I didn't realize before that jumping is optional. I'm not going to do it anymore. So we have to go back and address that as a training problem at some point. Also, people often experience setbacks with well-trained horses 
when they are new with the horse. So you buy a well-trained horse, which is the right thing to do and the best thing you can do. But if you make mistakes on that horse, your horse, that well-trained horse figures out right away, oh, for this rider, I don't have to do that. Oh, oh, for this rider, the rules are different. Oh, okay. I always thought I had to get in the trailer whenever they asked, but apparently I don't because all I had to do was throw a little fit and she took me away from the trailer. So what happens is often people make critical mistakes with well-trained horses that um, ultimately untrain the horse and lead to a horse that's disobedient or disrespectful. So that can um, certainly cause a big setback in your training, as well as a frightening experience um, that a horse could have. And then that horse associates a place with that frightening experience or a person with that frightening experience or an activity. And that reminds me of a story that happened with a friend of mine that I think illustrates this point really well. My friend has a super reliable trail horse and it is sometimes, it's her second horse. It's a horse that she keeps because she trail rides hard and a lot and she likes to ride her horses every other day so they don't have to work every day. And she also likes having an extra horse that her friends can ride with her on the trail. And that's Abner. He's a good old horse. Pretty much anyone can ride. He's a big, stout, strong quarter horse that's excellent in the mountains, and he has a fabulous temperament. He's not afraid of much, and he likes people. One day, my friend went riding on Abner with a couple of friends of hers, and they were riding on her ranch, which is up in the mountains of Colorado, and it is very treacherous terrain. It's very mountainous, very steep, lots of deadfall, lots of gnarly creek crossings. And this was an area that Abner had been ridden in a lot, and he had crossed this particular scary creek crossing many times without any problem, without any hesitation. However, on this day, she went riding with a couple of friends on their own horses who had never seen the Scary Creek Crossing, and one of the horses had a quite dramatic reaction as as they approached the creek. This horse just kind of threw a fit. He refused to go in. He uh, spun and bolted, got a little out of control. It was a huge ordeal, and while they finally got the horses across the creek, it set a tone for the ride where the horses were a little bit nervous and edgy. Nonetheless, they went on to ride and had a great day. However, the next time she came back to that same scary creek crossing with Abner, he got nervous. He threw his head up. He refused to go in the water. And when she finally got him in the water, he jumped out, bolted to the other side, almost knocked her off running through the trees and ran up the steep uh, creek bank like his tail was on fire. And so in one bad experience that was something that totally happened to another horse and not him, he just witnessed it, that made him afraid of that creek crossing and he mimicked the behavior that he saw in that other horse. And so through no fault of her own, she now had a training setback with this horse in this one creek crossing that she was going to have to address to get her good, reliable trail horse back on the right track. So that's a really good example of how sometimes you can encounter a setback with a horse through no fault of your own just because of a situation that occurred. The point is that once the setback has occurred, how do we get out of that? How do we move forward? The first thing that I think has to happen is a really good post-mortem of what happened to cause the setback. And in horsemanship lingo, us trainers refer to that as what happened before what happened happened. Because now you have a horse that's afraid of a creek crossing, but what we really have to do is go back and look at what happened before the problem that you have now so that we can really understand the problem. It's always good to know what went wrong, how it could have been prevented, 
what role you played in the problem. But we don't always get to know the answers to these questions. I can tell you, after several decades of teaching horsemanship clinics and watching literally thousands of horses and riders, I know riders are often unaware of the mistakes they're making. But the horse always knows. The horse is the recipient of the mistake. People often want me to diagnose the training problems that they're having with their horse over the phone or via the internet or at an expo in person. But no matter how much they tell me, no matter how many questions I ask, and no matter how much description of the incident I get, I know that if I had actually been watching it happen, I would see things that they aren't telling me. Because when you're unaware of what you're doing, and and particularly in relation to what you're doing that's contributing to the problem, how would you know to tell me about it? So most of the time, the human is sharing some responsibility for the setback. Not always, but most of the time, I would say the human is sharing some responsibility in the setback, either through inaction or action. A few ways, here's a few things for you to think about in terms of what you could be doing that contributed to this training setback that you had with your horse. First of all, I want you to think about asking too much of your horse, either chronically or acutely. And by that, I mean either in the moment or over a long haul. You've been asking too much of your horse. You've been uh, pushing him too hard over too long a period of time, not giving him enough breaks, not cross-training enough with him, not giving him vacation time, um, not paying attention to his small aches and pains. Um, You've been asking too much of the horse over a long period of time. I would call that a chronic situation. Or it could be an acute situation. You're at a clinic. You're at a horse show. You're you're in the moment, uh, maybe out on a, a fabulous trail ride, and you're in the moment, and you want to do more. And so you push that horse beyond his capability. You push. You ask him to give you as much as he can give, and then you ask for more. And he has a mental or physical breakdown. So asking too much of the horse is often the cause of a setback. We trainers like to say slower is better with horses. Quitting at uh, the ultimate moment is a good example of that. Not asking for him to do it one more time. You know, you've been trying and trying and trying to get that flying lead change on your horse. And then he finally gives you one and you ask for another one and another one and another one. So asking too much of the horse, either in the moment or over the long run, is probably going to lead to a training setback at some point through either a mental or a physical breakdown. Also, your horse may be ill-prepared for the activity you're asking him to do. Maybe he does not have enough training to be doing that. Maybe he hasn't doesn't have the right foundation. Maybe it has entirely to do with the horse's experience level. So he's, he's performing that maneuver or doing that activity very well at home but you've never taken him on the road. He doesn't know how to act in a different location. The additional stress that traveling places on him makes him um, temporarily incapable of performing. So this is just a horse that we've, again, pushed a little too hard too fast, and he's not prepared for the activity that you're asking him to do. You could be also actively contributing to the horse's problem either by giving conflicting signals or somehow failing in your leadership to the horse, or maybe through having inadequate skills. If your horse, let's say, has a, well, let's say he spooks and spins around and you come off balance and jerk him in the mouth and accidentally spur him in the process or clamp down with your legs and that scares him further and makes him bolt, Um, You know, that's an unfortunate situation that resulted from an inadequate skill level on your part. That doesn't mean that you're to blame. It just means that you need to accept some of the responsibility for what happened and don't blame it entirely on your horse or don't say, I have no idea what happened. So there's many, many ways uh, the rider or the handler can actively contribute to the problem 
Giving conflicting signals is one of the most common. You know, pulling back on the reins when you want the horse to go, squeezing with your legs when you want them to stop. All kinds of ways you can confuse a horse in its training, and then that often leads to either undesirable behavior or a total mental meltdown in your horse because he's just terribly confused. Another way in which you might contribute to a training setback in your horse is what I fondly refer to as anti-training. And that usually involves releasing the horse at the wrong moment or being simply unaware of the horse's motivations and intentions or what I would call breaking precedent with a trained horse. So let's say on the ladder, breaking precedent with a trained horse. Let's say you went out and bought a well-trained horse and you brought him home to your house and you're a little bit nervous about riding him and you put him in the arena and you ask him to trot and he trots around nicely, but he trots one time around and then he just stops and starts walking. He breaks gait without a cue. Sometimes when people have new horses, they are reluctant to correct a horse or they don't even really realize that what the horse did was wrong. And so you have a horse that was previously trained never to break gait. That's a fundamental disobedience in a riding horse. And so you allowed him to break gait one time and he was new to you. So he starts thinking, oh, maybe now with this rider, that rule no longer applies. I don't have to keep going all the time. I can stop whenever I want. And so that's what I call anti-training in a horse. You've taken a trained horse and you've set some kind of precedent with him that actually untrains him. It's very easy to release the pressure on a horse at the absolute wrong moment. And whatever your horse is doing at the moment you release the pressure is what you just trained the horse to do. They're wicked fast learning animals and they learn from a release of pressure So they will always do whatever they were doing at the moment the release came again. And so it's often we inadvertently or accidentally release the pressure on the horse at the absolute wrong moment. A good example is that horse that used to load in the horse trailer just fine. All of a sudden he's refusing. So you walk him up to the trailer and he plants his feet or throws a little hissy fit. And so you're you're shocked by his behavior and you say, hmm, Uh, let's just start that over. So you turn around and walk away from the trailer. And in that moment, you're totally releasing the pressure from the horse. And so you've rewarded his tantrum. So when you turn around and walk back to the trailer, he does it again. So that's an example of anti-training of the horse where you're not doing anything intentionally. You're just unconsciously releasing the pressure and you're unconsciously rewarding the wrong behavior. Horses learn so fast that even in one incident, sometimes this can become ingrained behavior in the horse. Another way you might contribute to a training setback in a horse is putting the horse in a precarious situation that results in that horse getting hurt or scared. Remember, obviously, if they get physically hurt doing something you asked them to do, it's highly likely they're going to blame that on you and not want to follow your directives. But even if you just put a horse in a situation that causes him to become very afraid, that can also be an emotional injury to that horse that forms a scar in his uh, brain that is just as big as that physical scar that leads to emotional problems further down the road. And again, if you put that horse in the situation, you being the one who's responsible for the horse's safety and well-being, um, it's not hard for the horse to want to blame that on you or at the very least have a lack of trust in your leadership. Remember, if you're the leader of your horse, the buck stops with you. And if you that horse is willing to do your bidding but you in return have the responsibility for keeping him safe and keeping him happy. And if you fall down on that job, um, that's your bad. And that's the way the horse is going to see it. Sometimes people encounter a training setback in their horse because of a failure to notice a developing physical problem until the horse has a critical breakdown or refuses to perform. Now we can't 
be too harsh on people. This is a really common occurrence in performance horses. And sometimes the subtle signals that the horse was having a problem that we failed to notice were just so subtle. And in hindsight, yes, we see them, but at the time we didn't. So we kept pushing the horse beyond his physical capability. You can't beat yourself up over it when something like that happens, but you do have to share some of the responsibility and you do have to really examine what went wrong there and make a vow to yourself and to your horse that you're going to try to do your best to listen to subtle signals in the future and not encounter the same situation with this horse or with another horse in your future. However, Sometimes training setbacks occur through absolutely no fault of your own. Maybe it's an incident caused by a completely external force. Um, Out on a trail ride I've been on a hundred times, all of a sudden a motorcycle's on the trail coming up behind you really fast, or a moose jumps out in front of you, or maybe you went on a ride with friends uh, on horses you didn't know and there was a horse out of control Maybe your horse got stung by a bee or maybe a hot air balloon crash landed in the arena. And guess what? I know someone that actually happened to. And when we talk about most incidents being avoidable, not all incidents are avoidable. You would never be able to prepare for a hot air balloon crashing in your arena while you were riding. So sometimes things outside of our control happen and we experience a setback with a horse. And again, I go back to the story with Abner. Prior to going on this one trail ride and having this one incident with a horse that was fearful and fractious, prior to that, Abner would cross any creek without hesitation. But then after this one incident, all of a sudden at this one creek crossing, he's nervous, he's refusing, he's rushing through, he's acting in disobedient ways. And his owner has now uh, experienced a training setback with the horse through absolutely no fault of her own. So it's important that you don't let temporary setbacks become a long-term problem. When you have a setback, you need to take it seriously and do your best to understand the nature of the situation, what led to the setback, what is the full scope of the setback and um, develop a plan for how you're going to get that horse back on track and make sure this does not become a long-term problem. The more you discover about what went wrong in your setback and what you could have done differently, the better you will learn to prevent it in the future and the better your plan to resolve the setback will be. Now let's just take a minute to think about the training setback from the horse's point of view. First of all, you need to understand that horses are wicked fast learners. This is a factor of them being prey animals and flight animals, but horses are always learning every day, every encounter you have with them, for better or for worse. Every time you handle a horse, you are training at something or untraining at something. Also, you should know that horses learn by creating associations between one thing and another. For instance, the riding horse learns that when he feels increased leg pressure on his ribs from the rider, he learns to associate that with making his feet move faster. Horses create associations all the time, whether we want them to or not. In the case of leg pressure and moving faster, That was an intentional association that we set out to teach the horse and that he subsequently learned. But horses create associations all the time, every day, whether we want them to or not. Think about that horse that is walking by a weird looking mailbox and it turns to look at the mailbox at the same time that a bee inadvertently stings him. It's quite possible that in that moment, the horse will associate the fear and pain of the bee sting with the mailbox he was looking at at that moment. And so now you have a horse that every time he goes by that mailbox or looks at that mailbox, 
he thinks he's going to get stung by a bee. So that's the kind of associations that horses make all the time, whether you want them to or not. We don't always get to know about the associations horses form, but we try really hard in the training of a horse to create the associations that we want. Also, you need to know that horses are very context-specific and very location-specific in their associations. So when something happens to a horse or a horse learns something, he almost always associates a location with that happening, and he almost always associates some sort of context. That's the what happened before what happened happened part of it. So the last time, so for Abner at that scary crossing, what he did, even though he had crossed that creek many times before without incident, now he had all these negative and scary associations with that specific location and that specific context of crossing it in a trail ride. So he associated his fear with a place, and that is very, very common with horses. Whether a horse is learning something good or bad, he's likely to associate a location with it. So you need to keep that in mind. When you've had a setback and you get in that same location again, it's very likely to stimulate those memories in the horse. Also, from the horse's point of view, whatever your horse is doing at the moment you release the pressure is what you just trained him to do. Horses are animals that feel pressure very, very keenly, whether it's physical pressure or mental pressure or environmental pressure. Because they are prey animals and flight animals, they are very tuned into pressure and they do not like it. They don't like pressure of any kind, mental or physical. And so horses always look for a way out of the pressure. They are looking for a complete and total cessation of pressure. And sometimes what happens is we release the pressure at the wrong moment. Let's say a a really simple example of that is the riding horse that throws his head in the air and you release all pressure off the bit. And so he, he instantly comes to believe that throwing his head in the air will get him a release of pressure. So now you have a horse that constantly throws his head in the air. So whatever you're doing at the moment you release the pressure, whether you meant to release the pressure or not, is what you just trained your horse to do. And so this is how often people are complicit in the setback without even realizing it. They're totally unaware of how they release the pressure in that moment. Again, the example of leading a horse up to the trailer and he throws a little bit of fit So you lead him away from the trailer. You've just released the pressure from him for throwing a fit. So you've trained him to throw the fit. Unfortunately, people don't always understand what constitutes pressure and what constitutes a release of pressure. Just remember the horse is always seeking a total cessation of pressure. And that includes both mental and physical pressure. You also need to know that the timing of the release is absolutely split second. If you are intentionally releasing the pressure to reward a behavior you like, that release of pressure has to occur within about a half a second to be sure that the horse learns from the release of pressure. The longer it takes for you to release the pressure, the less likely it is for the horse to learn from that release of pressure, or the more likely it is that he has already moved on to a different behavior that wasn't desirable by the time you release the pressure. And so you've now rewarded the horse for the wrong behavior. Keep in mind that emotionality has no place in the training of horses. If the handler or rider of a horse is becoming emotional in its handling or riding, things are probably going wrong because horses are herd animals and again, prey animals and flight animals, they are instinctively programmed to adopt the emotions of the animal around them. So when one horse in the herd becomes frightened, they all become frightened. So when you are riding or handling a horse that becomes emotional, 
if you allow yourself to become emotional as well, it is most likely to exacerbate the problem or the horse's emotionality will increase as he begins to mimic your emotion. Or sometimes you can even accidentally cue the emotionality in the horse. In other words, when you become frightened, the horse becomes frightened. So learning to control our own emotions, uh, that plays a critical role in dealing with a horse who's having a problem with emotionality. Many setbacks, by the way, stem from fear. Maybe it's fear of pain. Maybe it's fear of separation from the herd, fear of an unknown place, fear of some kind of novel stimuli, or maybe it was just a startle that occurred, a a loud bang went off, or a moose jumped out in front of you, or something startling occurred to frighten the horse. Fear is a common, common emotional response from horses because they are prey animals. Some horses have higher levels of fear than others. But one thing I know for certain is that punishment for fear will always cause a negative reaction in a horse. You cannot punish a horse for being afraid because the punishment simply leads to more fear. Sometimes the punishment is not intentional, so it could be a perceived punishment on the part of the horse. Think about that rider that when the horse uh, spooked and maybe jumped to the side, the rider came off balance and uh, hit the horse in the mouth or accidentally bumped the horse hard with its leg or slammed down on its back. The horse will perceive that as punishment, even though you didn't intend it to be punishment. And so what happens then, the horse gave a fearful reaction and that fear was compounded at the moment either intentional punishment was applied or inadvertent and perceived punishment was applied um, accidentally. The horse will uh, perceive it as, as punishment nonetheless, and that will always exacerbate the horse's fear and never relieve it. Fearful horses need your reassurance. They need order and structure in their environment, and they need, most of all, your leadership in that moment, not your anger. Unfortunately, training setbacks are inevitable in your horsemanship journey, and it's how you handle them that makes the difference. Whether you're looking back at some previous experience you've had with horses right now, or thinking ahead and aspiring to be a better leader to your horse the next time you experience a setback, there are a few things that I think are good to know about how you should respond to training setbacks, whatever the cause. First, be prepared and expect similar behavior in similar situations. Again, horses are very context-specific and very location-specific in their behavior and what they learn. And when you get that horse in this similar situation, it's likely to happen again. So don't let that surprise you and have a plan for how you're going to deal with it. When my friend took Abner back to that Scary Creek location, she already had a pretty good idea that he may act up there again. So she already had a little bit of plan in her head. That's why she was riding the horse the next time and not her friend. And she made sure that She was riding with a reliable horse in front and she expected him to cause a problem at that creek crossing. So when he did refuse to cross it the first time she came back there, she was ready to address it proactively, to reach forward, close her legs on the horse, get after him, clucking and and, uh, moving her legs and, and, and proactively ride the horse forward. So expect stuff to happen. Secondly. Emotional control is critical, both in yourself and the horse. So first, check yourself. Make sure you take the high road by controlling your emotions and being calm as a cucumber and steady as a rock. Exude calm strength in every cell of your body. That's what your horse needs in the moment. Your emotionality will never help in a bad situation. 
Be sure to check your body language, your breathing, your tone, and your attitude. If you can laugh things off, if you can say this is no big deal, take a deep breath, look confident in your body language, you're going to have a positive response from your horse. Secondly, you need to address the emotionality of the horse. Soothe his emotions. Get him back to a thinking frame of mind. I recently did both a podcast and a blog on this subject, so there's a lot of information for you there about how to return a horse to a thinking state of mind. But we want to calm and reassure our horses and show strong and positive leadership in these moments of emotionality, um, not add to it by yelling at the horse or screaming at him or, or punishing him. Also, it's good to have calm down cues in your bag of tricks. So teach the horse ways to calm down. Learn them yourself. Techniques like lowering the horse's head, uh, changes of direction with lateral flexion. There's lots of good calm down exercises that you can employ, but you have to learn them yourself ahead of time. And you have to have taught them to your horse ahead of time as well to get the best response. In those moments of training setbacks, when things are going wrong with your horse, it's important to revert back to basic control and obedience. Expect your horse to respond to known cues and praise it when it does. But ask for the simple stuff like changes of direction or changes of speed. Ask for simple stuff that you know your horse knows how to do, that you know your horse will comply to, because you want to get the horse back in a responsive frame of mind and you want to get him in a place that you can praise him. When you start praising that horse for becoming obedient again, things start clicking into place for him and that feels like a safer place for him to be. So he seeks out that praise by becoming more and more obedient. Avoid doubting your horse's response or micromanaging him or placing negative thoughts on him. When you think your horse won't do something, when you ask your horse to cross that creek, but all the way down there, you're thinking he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it, he feels that doubt and he's going to act on it by not doing it. If you micromanage that horse, tell him that you don't trust him to do something and you you start correcting him before he even does anything wrong, he feels that too. And he feels your expectation that he's going to do something wrong and ultimately it becomes a cue for him to do something wrong. So at some point you have to trust your horse to do the right thing. So the more negative thoughts that you place on him, the less likely that is to happen. Remember that trust is a two-way street. If you want that horse to trust you and your leadership and your authority, you have to trust him to do the right thing as well. And sometimes that means letting go of your horse and, and giving him a chance to do it right. Be sure you keep your horse mentally engaged throughout this uh, problem you're experiencing with him. Ask him to do stuff, turn right, turn left, go forward, stop. Be proactive in your leadership. Keep him involved and engaged in stuff he knows how to do so that he doesn't have time to have that emotional meltdown or challenge your authority. When you do have that training setback with your horse, it's really important for you to break down what happened into the smallest possible components. Remember, you're thinking about what happened before what happened happened. That way you will be able to address the most important issue first or the smallest component of the skill first. If you had a performance problem you may have to go way back to something more foundational. But if you had a problem where your horse just had a meltdown or became disobedient, you may need to go right to the big problem first, the, the address the disobedience first. For Abner, my friend developed a plan where the first thing she did was um, after she realized, the second time she went back to the creek crossing, riding Abner herself, and the horse refused to cross, she realized she needed to address this problem more systematically. So she went back the next time she decided to pony Abner across the creek, nice and slow, make him stand in the middle, make him take a deep breath, 
to try to address the nervousness, the emotionality that he was displaying. The next time she went back, she was riding Abner behind a reliable horse and she addressed the approach to the creek. And and again, she made him stand in the middle and relax. But that time when she rode out, he got nervous again and he tried to run out and he, he jumped a bank. He shouldn't have jumped. So then when she went back again, she was prepared to stop that from happening And she went through the creek crossing one step at a time, bringing him to a complete halt between every step he took in the creek. And this eliminated the problem of him rushing out of the creek crossing. And finally, she came back on Abner, riding that creek crossing as she did before, expecting him to act normally and proceed without hesitation and without rushing through. And he did. So it took her a few times to work through this problem. But by addressing it head on and systematically, this minor setback was just a temporary problem that totally resolved itself. So you need to seek to understand the horse's motivations and intentions to make sure that you don't inadvertently reward bad behavior or release the pressure at the wrong time. Be sure to focus on what you want the horse to do not what you don't want the horse to do. And this seems obvious, but it is a mistake many people make when they've had a setback with a horse. Let me give you an example. If you had a performance horse in competition that, let's say, refused to jump on you, if you come into that arena next time and all you're thinking about is that horse refused that jump on you last time, he's almost certainly going to refuse again. But if what you focus on is what you want and how you're going to get it, the cue, you know, setting your horse up properly, looking beyond the jump, cueing him at the takeoff point, looking at the next jump, all these things, giving him a big release. If you focus on what you want from your horse, you're way more likely to achieve it. And finally, I will tell you that replacement training always works with horses, not punishing the undesirable behavior. So when a horse is doing something that you don't like, punishing that behavior does not work very well, but replacing the undesirable behavior with a more desirable behavior will always work with horses. They are creatures of habit and routine. And if you instill the right behavior in them, that's the kind of entrenched behavior you get. So as an example, with Abner rushing across the creek, she replaced that behavior with him taking one step at a time and coming to a complete halt and taking a deep breath between every step while he was crossing the creek. And so that was a more desirable behavior and the undesirable behavior completely went away. While setbacks are inevitable in your horsemanship journey, It's how you respond to them and whether or not it balloons into a larger problem that is totally up to you. Your knowledge and experience and objectivity will help, but it's most important for you to seek understanding, to identify your own culpability in the problem, and develop a proactive plan for getting your horse back on the right track. There aren't that many quick fixes with horses particularly when the setbacks are severe. So you'll need a healthy dose of patience, dedication, determination, as well as a positive outlook. In my whole career with horses, I know of very few training setbacks that were permanent or insurmountable. When you approach setbacks comprehensively and with understanding and dedication, you will get past them. And now it's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. Not only do I like saying that, but I do like to answer your questions. We pick a few unique questions each month from our listeners and answer them on the air. If you'd like to submit a written question for What the Hey, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Megan, read us the first question, please. 
Our first question comes from Caroline, and she says, I have a new five-year-old quarter horse. He is very mouthy, and he nipped me and my son within the last couple of days. Is there anything I can do to break this behavior? Well, of course there is, because first thing you need to understand is that all young horses are mouthy, particularly young male horses. But you may have noticed that not all horses bite. In fact, most trained horses do not bite because they've been actively trained not to bite. So biting is actually a progressive behavior that begins with lipping and then nipping and then biting. These are all considered the same behavior, but they are progressive in nature and they will ultimately progress to aggressive dominant biting. And by the way, biting is the most deadly behavior of horses. So nipping in the, in the bud, so to speak, is really critical. Uh, there are things that you can do to break this behavior immediately, and you should. You do your horse a huge disservice in allowing him to be mouthy and develop biting behavior because some horses may become incorrigible biters, um, sometimes horses even are euthanized for that behavior. And the flip side of the coin is that horses can have very good m- manners. Most horses would never in a million years consider biting you. It's simply a matter of how these horses are handled. So young horses explore their world with their mouth, their sense of feel, their sense of smell, and their sense of taste. Three of their five senses are located at the mouth. And horses want to explore their world, young horses in particular, with their mouth. So mouthiness is normal in young horses, particularly male horses. And it must be actively trained out of the horse. So that starts with uh, recognizing your own boundaries. So when I train horses or handle horses, I would teach this to your horse within a minute and he would never touch me with his mouth again. I always maintain a boundary with a horse. He is never allowed to move his mouth towards me or heaven forbid, touch me with his lips. If you never allow a horse to put his lips on you, lipping never begins, therefore nipping never happens, therefore biting never develops. Remember, those are progressive behaviors that you have enabled in your horse. So that starts with disallowing a horse to ever, especially a young horse, to ever put his lips on you. By the way, if you're hand feeding treats to the horse, you've trained him to bite because you've trained him to put his lips on you and you've trained him to take away food from you. And that is dominant behavior. And biting is the most dominant behavior of horses. So that's all related as well to hand feeding treats to horses. I have written a lot about biting behavior. I have articles, videos, and audios on the subject in my library at the Goodnight Academy. So just go to juliegoodnight.com, click on the Academy, and search biting, and you will find a tremendous amount of resources that will help you understand this behavior better and understand your culpability and understand It is not hard to break a horse of these very bad and dangerous behaviors, uh, but you're going to have to change the way you're handling this horse right away before somebody else gets bit. Next question, please. Our next question comes from Elizabeth, and she says, My trainer told me my horse is resentful and there is an explosion waiting to happen. It makes me a bit fearful, but I do ride him, and I'm not ready to give up on him. Any tips? Yes, I think it is important that you have identified that your horse has resentment. And I think that your trainer is probably right. Often when resentment develops in horses, there is an explosion waiting to happen. As we start seeing resentment develop in horses, it is often through um, harsh training techniques or conflicting or confusing training techniques. Maybe the horse is at having to perform when he's in pain or an ill-fitting saddle or something like that. Maybe it's a situation where you have fallen down on your leadership with the horse 
yet you expect him to uh, respect and appreciate your authority. That often leads to resentments in horses. In other words, you want him to treat you as if you're the leader, but he doesn't think you're acting like a leader. Oftentimes, these things will develop resentment in horses. And I would say it's you know similar to what happens with people is uh, resentment develops over time. And then there's the straw that broke the camel's back and an explosion happens. And so I'm sure you know what, I'm sure you can think of scenarios in the human world that are similar to this. And yes, horses, horses feel resentment. That is a, an emotion that takes two to tango. So there has to be a reason for resentment to develop. And the resentment is against something you're doing or some activity you're, you're making him do. So you need to figure out what that is. What, what is the source of your horse's resentment? If your trainer was able to identify that your horse is resentful, I would ask him or her, how do we resolve this? What, what am I doing that's causing this? It's likely to mean that, well, first of all, you need to go back and, and understand if there could um, in any way, shape, or form be pain related to this. Are you asking this horse to do something that causes him pain? Because that would certainly lead to resentment. But also you need to find out how, how you are complicit in this horse's resentment. Maybe it was something that happened before you, your tenure with this horse. But if he has baggage and he has resentment, we have to address the cause of that. And we have to reprogram that horse's attitude so that he's happy and fulfilled and getting the clarity and the leadership that he needs. I would go back to your trainer and I would ask for more clarity on that situation understand you you probably already have an idea of the emotionality that is related to the resentment so how your horse is behaving he's getting frustrated he's getting sort of emotional jacked up he's uh, getting angry he's threatening um, maybe uh, threatening not to do something maybe you have to ask him twice or a third time Maybe he threatens to refuse or he threatens bad behavior like rearing or bucking. These are often warning signs for the horse. He's doing your be- his best to tell you there's something wrong. And it's up to you to as the leader and it's up to you as the more intelligent species to do the investigative work to figure out what is the cause of the resentment. And then I think this relates a lot to what I've been talking about in this entire podcast is you have, you have a chronic long-term training setback with this horse. It's gone on long enough for him to develop resentment. So you need to go way back and go back to basics with this horse and figure out how we're, all the things we're going to do to take away this horse's resentment. Do we change his tack? Do we change his bit? Do we change the way we're training him? Do we change the activity that we're doing with him? Give him a change of scene. Give him some rest. Um, There's something that's going to uh, resolve this resentment, and I would work with your trainer to figure out what that is. I appreciate you listening to my podcast today. You know, if humans were infallible and horses were robots, you'd never have to deal with training setbacks with your horse. But we are humans, and horses are big, strong, reactive animals. And not every situation can be controlled. Setbacks will happen, no matter how hard we try to avoid them. But when it does, it's good to be armed with knowledge and solutions. So I hope you found some useful information here that will help you the next time you encounter a setback with your horse. No matter where you are in your horsemanship journey, whether you're new to horses or an old hand, whether you're training a green horse or refining your higher level skills, I hope you found some helpful information here today to make your horse life better. Next month on my podcast, I'm excited to have a special guest, Dr. Barbara Page, founder of the International Foundation for Equine Podiatry Research. We're going to talk about hoof health and disease prevention, 
and also her fascinating research on feral horses and how we can apply the lessons learned to domestic horses. This is a fascinating and important topic, so please join me. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love sharing my horse care and training experience with you, and I appreciate all your feedback, suggestions, and questions. I'd love to hear what topics interest you the most, so if you have questions for What the Hay or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook. My page is at Julie Goodnight or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Thanks again for your awesome comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps me out a lot and it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers like you and me can find this podcast. Don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find the solutions you need when you need them. You can subscribe to my full training library with hundreds of videos, audios, and articles, all searchable content, or enroll in my horsemanship short course on building confidence, or join at the premier level, the Interactive Academy, where you receive a 12-month training curriculum and personalized coaching from me. Just go to juliegoodnight.com join and start your ride. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thank you for listening. And please stay safe and enjoy the ride. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride.